0: Father, thank you so much for the incredible love for us. As we were singing that, I was just reminded again that you haven't hidden yourself from us at all. That you're patiently waiting for us to recognize you and to to come to you and that you wait with wide open arms. Thank you that you accept us. Thank you that you're willing to forgive us. And not only forgive us, but to offer us freedom and hope. To offer us a new way to live life. Thank you for the depth of your grace and your mercy to us. Even when we think we understand, we barely get a picture of what it really is. God, in the next few moments as we open your word, I pray that your spirit would be free to speak to us, to touch our hearts, to encourage those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. Would you encourage us in our faith? And then, Father, if there's some here who haven't come to a place where they understand that you offer them forgiveness, you offer them the payment for sin, you offer them new life and hope. God, Maybe this morning would be the time that they would understand that and yield their heart and their life to you and say yes to Jesus Christ. Speak to us, encourage us, move us. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, you may have a seat. So we are still in the book of Hebrews. Mike didn't finish while I was gone, uh, which is great because I was preparing for chapter 11 and if he'd finished, I would have been Well, just repeat. That's all we would have repeated. We are at what they call the faith chapter or the great faith chapter of the Bible this morning. And our author of the book of Hebrews is incredibly logical in how he presents the book of Hebrews. And if you look, and we've tried to help you to understand this as we've gone through the book of Hebrews. The first six chapters that we looked at, we looked at and we presented the truth that Jesus Christ as a person is superior. You remember that? We went through even the Old Testament scriptures and we talked about the Old Testament prophets and we talked about angels and we talked about all those things. And 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 the, the author kept telling us over and over again of all those different people and and different times and different events and different circumstances Jesus Christ is superior and he did a great job in the first 6 chapters of laying out just how amazing Jesus Christ is remember we finished by talking about this that Jesus Christ is the son of God but he is equally God and so Jesus Christ is superior he all that he does, all that's wrapped up in him, all of his attributes, he is superior. He's Jesus Christ. And then we spent the next chapter seven through chapter 10 talking about the next part of that, which is this, that not only is Jesus Christ superior as a person when he was a human being here walking on the earth as God himself, but then we found this out in those next few chapters, that that Jesus Christ is also The great high priest, he's a superior priest. Remember, we spent, and you're probably sick of hearing us say this, but remember we talked about this fact that all of the high priests prior to Jesus Christ had to repeatedly make sacrifices, they had to repeatedly do offerings they had to keep going into the the holies and then the holy of holies and keep presenting sacrifices and and even the best high priest that the the nation of Israel ever had fell short he was still a man who was a sinner by nature and he had to offer sacrifices for himself and and before he would go before before God. With, with a sacrifice for the people, he had to make sure that he had presented a sacrifice for himself and that his own heart was clean. And if, if you remember, we've said this a few times, that the high priest would go in and they would tie a cord to his ankle when he went in behind the curtain just in case he wasn't right with God because he couldn't go into the presence of God and present anything to God, a holy God, without being right before God and and God would strike him dead and if he went in and there was a bell also tied to that cord and if it stopped ringing there's a problem in there right and so the first 10 chapters this author for us just does this beautiful logical layout and he says look you as 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 believers in, in God. Okay. These are his people, the Hebrews, and, and they had a system that they believed. And, and he says, look, you understand how holy God is, but I'm changing this and I'm going to make it so that all of you get to go into the presence of God. And so this author says, look, I want to lay this out before you. I want you to understand what you have. And this incredible person, Jesus Christ, who is also God, becomes the greatest high priest ever. And he pays the ultimate price for your sin and my sin and the sin of this group of Hebrew believers who the letter's being written to. And he says, Look, for all time, God has paid the price. And then in this chapter, he's going to define for us and paint a picture for us of what faith actually looks like. How is it worked out? And he goes back in time and he presents some characters from the Old Testament who believed in God and they put their trust completely in God and they trusted what God said and it was counted to them as righteousness, it says. Well, that faith and that action of faith is the same for us today, and the author is going to paint that picture of how that works out, and and that's what we're going to start looking at this morning. And this morning, I'm going to look simply at a definition of faith. Now, because of the two factors that I just said about Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is superior as a person, that he's God himself, he was perfect, because Jesus Christ was completely holy and the best, greatest, most supreme. I don't know what else we could add. You add whatever you want in your own mind as far as lifting him up as a high priest because Christ is that. And by the way, that's been proven, okay? That's been proven through time that that's who Christ is. It's been proven in history that that's who Christ is. Because those things are true, then you and I, you ready for this? Some of you don't look ready. (laughs) You ready for this? Now, some of you have already done part of this. Some of you have gone all the way. Because of who Jesus is, we should be able to place our complete faith in him. We should. You notice I said that? Because even as Christ followers, often we're too smart for ourselves. And often as Christ followers, we want to trust in our own good. And our own abilities. And our own strength. And we're cursed by the culture that we live in. And we have been taught in this culture that we are independent people And we can do it on our own. And you can't. Did you catch that? You can't. This whole thing of spiritual growth, maturity, having a Savior, having eternal life, you can't do it. It's impossible. And that's what the author wants to paint for us, that it's only found in the superior person and superior uh, priest, Jesus Christ. Remember, the readers of this letter wanted to give up. They wanted to go back to Judaism, just like some of us want to give up this morning. There's some of you who've had a really rough week, a really rough two weeks, a really rough month. Maybe the year's really been horrible. And you just want to give up. I'm done, I can't, I wanna, these people in this letter, they wanted to give up. they had come to know Jesus Christ they'd been kicked out of their synagogue they had no place to worship they were being persecuted for their faith every day people that they knew and loved were turning their back on them and by saying that they were following the superior one Jesus Christ their life got harder and harder and they just wanted to give up i'm done i want to go back and the author says no don't do it you're missing don't go back keep going. Keep going to maturity. How do I know that's what they wanted to do? Well, chapter six, verse one, remember this? He said, let us leave the elementary teaching. These people didn't want to keep growing. They were back on their ABCs in their spiritual life. Chapter 10, verse 39, he says that this, we are not, he's trying to encourage the people, and he says, look, we are not that group of people who goes back on their word, who draws back from God. We're a people who are all in for God. Is that you? Is that you? So now we hit the faith chapter, chapter 11. And all of us who are Christ followers here this morning, we are called by God to live by faith, by faith. Now, it's easier to say that. I live by faith and not by sight. We have all kinds of wonderful phrases that we use in the church and we use in our own life, but I think often we don't stop and think about what those words actually mean and how they play out in our life. So what is faith? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary. And faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Catch that? It's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, it's easy for me to say that, but let me help you. Now, Joe this morning, I was surprised. We're talking about faith, and Joe surprised me in his lack of faith. Sorry, Joe. (laughs) But when Joe was introducing this whole thing this morning, did anybody catch what he said about the tent? (laughs) That it might fall. That is a lack of faith, right? We would not be in here this morning if we thought it was going to fall on us. Just giving you a hard time, Joe. I have faith this morning that I was not here when this stage was put together I don't know who did it. Actually, I know Mike was part of it. I trust Mike. (laughs) If it was completely Ben, I may struggle because he would try to get me. Faith. You have faith that the chair you're sitting in right now will hold you. But it's more than that. This morning, when you got up, whether you know it or not, you had faith in a lot of different things, didn't you? Some of you had faith that the coffee maker would work this morning, and you are so glad that it did. (laughs) Some of you had faith that Dunkin' Donuts would be open on your way, and you are so glad it was. When you hire someone to come work on your house, you have faith that that person knows what they're doing, and they will do it correctly. When you order a package from somewhere and you open it up, you have faith that whoever packaged that Put the right thing in the package. Some of you are losing faith in Amazon. (laughs) When you go to the doctor, you have faith that that doctor has a clue and can tell you a little bit about what's going on in your health. And you put your faith in them when they tell you what to do in your medical and with your health. You had faith this morning when you jumped in your car and you drove down the road. Not just faith in yourself, but you had faith in the other drivers that were on the road. Sometimes that is questionable. But I need you to think about all the things that you have put your faith in. Right? My confidence. I have placed my confidence in. I have set myself up that if this doesn't work out the way I think it's going to work out, it could cause death. There's a lot of things that we do in our everyday life that we put complete faith in that really could cost us our life. And so faith is not just in the spiritual realm. We're going to talk about it in the spiritual realm because it matters even more. But I need you to understand that you practice faith every day of your life. See, the reason I'm telling you this is because there are people who I talk to who say, look, it's easy for you to believe in God, but I can't put my faith in him. No, instead, I'll put my faith in all kinds of other things that aren't as reliable. But I feel like I have control of them. And so I'll place my faith there. And this morning, I want to talk to you about one who is completely reliable, who you can always put your confidence in, and he never changes. He never lets you down. And that's what these verses are going to. We're only going to look at three verses this morning. It's a good thing because time is cruising. Here we go. Chapter one. I mean, chapter 11, looking at verses one through three. Let me read them for you, and then we'll look at a couple phrases out of them. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for. The proof of what is not seen, for by this our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand that the universe was created by God, by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. I need you to stop for a moment. When I'm talking about faith, I'm not talking about things that I hope for, moments that I hope will happen. I'm not talking about a blind assent to some truths that I've heard somewhere. I'm not talking about choosing to believe something in spite of evidence that is contrary to it. I'm not talking about saying, hey, look, this person sounds really cool, and so I'm going to believe that what they say is true. Mike and I tell you all the time when we teach, don't take our word for it. Grab the word of God yourself, open it up, read it, check what we say to the word of God. So I'm not talking about blindly following someone. I'm not talking about putting my hope in something that might happen sometime. I'm talking about having confidence in something that I know is true. I'm talking about placing my faith and my hope in God himself, the word of truth, because God's word has been proven over the centuries of time. God's word and God's person and his character has been proven by millions of people before you. Did you catch that? It's not just me saying this. God has lived this out in people. And folks, you need to understand something before I go any farther this morning, and that's this. Our faith is only as good as the place where it is placed. Did you catch that? If you have placed your faith in yourself, in your spouse, in your boss, in your job, in your money, in your stuff, you will be let down because they will all fail you will fail yourself i will fail myself you know what i'm talking about paul knew paul talked about that in romans chapter 7 where he said look the things that i want to do i don't do the things that i know i should do i struggle to do them i fight within myself to do what i know is right but i know it's right and i wish i would do it and he's wordy and he keeps going but you do the same thing. That story plays out in your life every week. Things that you know you wish you were doing, things that you know you wish would work out in your life, you fight to do them, and yet you fail yourself and you let yourself down. So placing your faith in you, is it a good choice? No, it's not. And faith, placing your faith in another person, no matter how good they might be, they will fail you. They are only a person. They don't know your needs. They don't know your expectations. It doesn't matter how close they are. They cannot get inside you and understand you. They can't do it. They will fail you. And everything that you have in life will fail you. There is only one certainty. There's only one person who will never fail you and who understands you explicitly and knows every part of you. And that is God himself because he created you and he loves you and he wants what's best for you this verse tells us this at the very beginning he says this now faith is the reality reality there simply means this it's actually said this now faith is the confidence or still better it's now faith is the foundation It's the beginning place. When we started our building that's next to us, we went out there with an excavator and we dug a trench all the way around the outside of what that building is gonna be. And the guys came and they put forms up and we poured concrete in there and we laid a foundation now, even before we laid the foundation, we took a roller that had a big vibrator on it and we vibrated that dirt and back, Mike got a, became a professional at driving the, the roller. And he, he drove it back and forth and back and forth and back and we compressed that dirt and compressed that dirt so that when we put the foundation in, we knew that it would not move. That's Jesus Christ. He is the rock, the firm foundation. He is the one who you can stake your life on. And that's what this verse is saying. He says this, now look, I need you to understand that your faith has a foundation. Some of you are here this morning and your faith has zero foundation. And because of it, you've been running from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, always disappointed, but always looking for something and you haven't found it. It's because you haven't found a firm foundation yet. That foundation is only found in Jesus Christ. It's a firm, he is a firm place to stand. He is a superior person because he is God himself. He is a superior priest because he is God and he has finished his work. Have you placed your faith this morning in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Have you understood your need of a savior? Have you experienced his forgiveness? Have you placed your feet, your life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ? It is the only foundation that will not move. My faith. My faith is placed firmly and fixed on Jesus Christ personally. And when circumstances of my life go haywire, hey, my life goes as haywire as yours does. I have family members in my life who are struggling with all kinds of different things, whose lives are tossed upside down and things don't make sense, and they trust God. But you know what I find interesting is as I've been talking with those family members, you know what they keep sending? They keep sending me verses about how God has shown up in their life and how God has promised to care for them and meet their needs see them through and encourages them because their foundation and my foundation is jesus christ it's nowhere else next thing i want you to notice in that verse is this the next phrase of that verse says the proof of what is not seen so faith is foundational. The reality is it's on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but it's also the proof of what is not seen. Proof there simply means this. It's conviction. My belief is found. It's what my belief is founded in. As I live out my faith on the foundation of Jesus Christ, it is proven repeatedly that God does not fail. Now, I don't know about you, but I know in my life, I have watched God work in amazing ways. Hey, just in the last two or three years alone here at Mossbrook Church, I have watched God do things that should never happen. They just shouldn't happen. I've watched God provide things in ways that I never dreamed of. Never dreamed of. Couldn't, couldn't, I'll tell you story, we don't have enough time, but I could tell you story after story of things, I could just do it anyway, but we, I could tell, God just does Over and over, people that show up and say, hey, I I just, I felt like God was pushing me to do this and so I wanna do it and here it is. And he's done it over and over and over again, corporately for the church, he's done it. Hey, folks, during COVID, we shouldn't have raised $550,000. And we didn't beg you, we didn't. We just told you what God was doing and asked God to lay it on your heart. You know what? God did it. God provided. Think about all the moves we've had. Think about all the places we've been. Have we worshiped God together? Has the body learned how to work together? Yeah, why? Because God is faithful. Because God's the foundation. He's the part that we go back to over and over again. And we say, look, it doesn't matter what it looks like, but this is the foundation. This is the firm foundation we're going to work off. In my own personal life, God has shown up in so many ways. When I've been discouraged or I've been down or I look at ministry and I go, God, I don't get it. I don't understand how this is going to work out. I don't know the direction I should go next. And God goes, hey, just trust. Just trust me. Don't try to work it out, Tim. Don't plan it on your own. He's the proof That's what that verse is talking about. He's the foundation, but he's also the proof that it's right. And that proof, by the way, it helps me because when I look at what God has done in my own life personally and my own personal family, what God is doing right now in my family, when I look back and I see that, it gives me the courage and the strength to go the next step because he's been faithful. He's never let me down. Now, it hasn't looked the way I thought it would, I didn't get the things I always wanted. nope. but he's been faithful and he's provided. Hey, has that been true in your life? Do you need to spend some time maybe this week looking at the proof that God has been part of your life and he's been working? Maybe you're floundering this morning and saying, God, I don't wanna keep going. I'm losing it. I don't know what to do. Look back. Was God faithful? Did he ever let you down? Did he provide? Has he done what's needed to be done? I know the answer already. You don't have to tell me. Because he never changes and he never fails. That's who he is. It's God. He's the proof. Verse 3 backs up what verse 1 is saying. Here's verse 3. Let me read it for you. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. So verse 3 is saying this. Look, God is the foundation. That's what verse one says. The proof is in what God has done. And if you want to take a minute and look at creation, you will see that it's true. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, if you want to take a minute and look at all around you, that's been created by God. God took something that didn't exist. I know that's not something, but that's the only way I can explain it. He took what didn't exist and he created something visible out of it. I don't know how he did it. He's God. But he spoke it into existence. And what the author is telling us this is he's like, look, there's something obvious in front of you that points to the existence and the person of God. And that is creation itself. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 says it this way. He says, For his invisible attributes, the attributes of God himself, that is, his internal power, the divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made as a result What's that last phrase say? People are without, you say it. Say that phrase with me. People are. Scripture says this about God. He's made himself real to us. He's placed what we need before us for us to realize that there is a God There's one who created, and he's done it in such a way that it points to his greatness and to the fact that he deserves our worship and our praise. And scripture says it this way. It says, look, and because he's done such a wonderful job, such an incredible job at it, mankind is without excuse. And so our faith ought to be in the creator himself. Faith tells us to look at what God has done with the invisible and how he created the visible. We can understand God himself. Verse two, I know I skipped verse two, but I did it on purpose. Verse two says it this way. For by this, by this Act of faith and understanding who God is, that he's the creator, the one who put it all together. For by this, our ancestors were approved. And that verse means this, that by their faith in what God was going to do in Jesus Christ. You have to understand in the Old Testament, Christ hadn't come. And he said he was going to come and there would be a sacrifice. And those people in the Old Testament, they put their faith in what was going to happen. And because they did that, scripture says this, that God stamp their life with approval. And he said, because they believed and they put their faith in me, I'll stamp their life with approval. He's still doing the same thing. Only now we look back to what has already happened. We have so much more at our dispense. You think about this. History itself paints the picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's recorded for us. People were there who saw it and experienced it and knew it and wrote about it. And scripture says this look, if you place your faith in that one, Jesus Christ, the superior person, the superior priest, if you place your faith in him, God will stamp your life with his approval. And your faith is enough. Your faith is enough. In the rest of this chapter that we're going to explore, we're going to look at those characters, and we're going to look at the circumstances that they faced and how they placed their faith 100% in the person of Jesus Christ. And you have to understand, 100% in God, you have to understand those people were not special. They're people just like you and I. They had doubts. They had failures. They had times where they, 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 they royally messed up. You wait till they're all named. You read it ahead and see who's named they blew it. Just like you and I. You blow it? Yeah. If I blow it? Yeah. Ask Pam. (laughs) But it's not about my humanity. It's about who God is and what God has done for me. And it's about me placing my faith in the one who is a firm foundation. Let me finish this morning by this. Where's your faith placed? No, really. I don't. Where's your faith placed? Who have you been trusting in? What have you been trusting in? See, believer, when we act in faith, our faith is built. And as our faith begins to build and grow, we act more on faith. And faith causes trust. And more that trust happens, the more our faith is built. (laughs) And so this morning, what I would tell you is this. Would you just step out and put your faith completely in Jesus? Not partially you. Not partially your job. Not partially your family. Just completely, 100%. Jesus just trust Jesus if you'll try it if you'll go down that road he won't let you down he will change your life completely and you will experience a trust and a hope and an encouragement you can know no other way Will you go there? Believer, let go of whatever it is and just trust Jesus. Just trust Jesus. Father, would you grant us the courage to trust you, to put our faith completely in you and to say yes to what your son has already done on our behalf. In your name we pray, amen. Would you stand and join us as we sing?